amazing that God chooses to use the likes of you and me to bring his word to another people group, uh, the likes of us, as, as uh, Steve always says, and I like that, because uh, we're just ordinary people, and, uh, you know, all we can bring to the Lord is ourselves. And, of course, we're talking about the Logo uh, New Testament translation that began 18 years ago, uh, 23 years ago since you sent Beth and me to Africa, and it's on the final stage. You know, I know that you keep waiting to hear, it's done. <laughs> you know, we've sent the manuscript for printing, and we are looking forward to that day. We want to be able to say that, but to be honest, sometimes it feels like it'll never be done, and uh, we can get discouraged because uh, there are so many steps uh, to do such a major work, to have God's Word exact and powerful and clear for the people. And we just had a group of 30 logos that were selected from a cross-section of the people read through 60% of the New Testament, and they said it was clear and powerful. And they gave us improvements that we could make. So that was a huge confirmation. But this is, if I could compare it to something, it's like the Bell Lab. You know what the Bell Lap is in a big, long race, like a 10,000-meter race or a marathon? Uh, the last lap, they ring the bell so that the runners don't get confused and they know this is it. This is when we have to give everything that we have. We cannot, you know, and we cannot just burn out like 100 meters before the end. We have to pace it, but we have to be sprinting now at this point. And that's where we are and uh, we cannot do it without you. You know, uh, God from the beginning has called Myrtle Grove to this task, not just Doug and Beth Wright. And actually, there's a whole team of people around the world, but you are a central part of that team. And God knows it. He ordained it, and he will bring it to pass. We're talking now about the end of July to, to finish this manuscript. It was April, but lots of hardships came, including the passing of my mom. And uh, we had to extend it. So the Lord knows. And um, we have a lot of work to do between now and my last trip, which will be last trip for this translation, which will be uh, June and July. I'm planning a seven-week trip. Uh, Beth and Sarah will be holding down the fort. It's going to be a big sacrifice for them. And uh, they will need your support. We all will need your spiritual covering, like, like Lisa mentioned. Uh, we're really aware of that when the people cover us. Uh, we have to finish this editing process. We have 15% of the New Testament to finish editing. This is the last sweep. And the quality is, this is making the quality of the translation, this last editing pass. It is really improving. And uh, we have to finish the introductions, the glossary, all the front matter, the back matter, the index, everything, illustrations, maps, everything. There's a lot yet to do. It's not done. This is the stage that's the most intensive and the most important for your prayers. So that's why we're here. You can pray for our health, spiritual protection for the whole team. For us, we're part of the team, our Sarah. We, you can pray for the preparations for this final trip and, uh, you know, God's blessings on us. You can pray for unity because there is one church leader in particular. Uh, he's a Catholic leader. He's a second to the bishop, a logo. Very powerful, influential man, and uh, we have asked for their input all through the process because we want the Catholics to use this word. Fifty percent of the logos of the 400,000, 200,000 are Catholics. They will receive the gospel the clearest possible, 
through this translation. Now he is recommending to change about 50 of the key biblical terms that we've used for 15 years. And uh, there's a potential for a lot of division. Some of those ideas are great ones. Other ones are just not even close to being correct uh, exegetically. So, you know, I'm at the center of this battle, and that's going to need a lot of prayer covering for the Lord to bring his word through clear and powerful. Okay. Um, At this time, I'm going to ask if anybody is available that is currently serving on the missions team or has served. We just want to cover them in prayer. And Doug and Beth, if I could get you to just move a little forward so we can lay hands on you. Let's have our elders come up here around them, if you would, um, as well. Join with us. Anyone who wants to come up here and uh, just pray and and stand in as a a representative of this congregation, feel free to do that. Lord, we extend our hands and we extend our hearts and God, we extend all that we are for the sake of the gospel. Lord, here in this nation and in the nations of the earth, And God, you've called uh, Doug and Beth, their family, their team, God, to go forth and to be instrumental and influential in the establishment of, of the New Testament, God, in the language that has never had uh, your word. And so, God, we come right now and we lift up uh, that work. We lift up Doug and his team. God, we lift up all of those. We lift up, God, your spirit in the midst, and we command that the flesh of man uh, would, uh, would simmer down, that the spirit of God would be raised up, and God, that you would accomplish in them all that it is your purpose for that people. God, we declare this morning that there would be hundreds of thousands, God, that would come to Christ because of this word in their language. And Lord, so we pray today in the name of Jesus that you would set Doug apart, that you would set Beth apart, and their daughter Sarah is there here, Lord, in uh, this next leg of the journey. God, that there would be peace, that there would be life, Lord, that there would be uh, your purposes that would come forth. And so, God, we thank you that uh, you never call us to begin something that you're not prepared to finish. And so, God, we declare this morning that this work would be finished, that your spirit would be glorified and would have free reign to use it even to the ends of the earth. God, that there would be men and women from the Logoti people, Lord, that would be raised up and even sent as missionaries around the earth because of this faithful team. Lord, would you bless and would you encourage, would you protect, would you... uh, birth unity in the midst of the team, God. And Father, thank you that you're doing that because we ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said together. Amen. Amen. Well, it's such an amazing thing, isn't it, to watch the unfolding of God's purposes in our own lives and in the lives of others that that we love. And uh, this church here, Myrtle Grove, is is in the place of of being used as well. God is not finished with us. 
And everybody said, <laughs> yeah, amen, God has a purpose for us. And one of, the, one of the purposes that God is making clear to us is that the next leg of the journey is not about ourselves, but is about those around us. And uh, to that end, uh, Jim has mentioned for the last couple of weeks that next Saturday, uh, from about 9 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon, uh, we have invited a man named Ken Pretty, uh, and he will be coming here. He is one of our consultants with our presbytery, but a man that is filled with faith and filled with the love and spirit of God, and his purpose uh, is going to be expanding our horizons around the notion and the reality that the fields are white unto harvest. And I believe that's part of the shift that God's doing right now on the ends of the earth, that God's making a people ready to hear and will be part of that harvesting team. So uh, I have a short video, just a couple of minutes, to introduce Ken Pretty. And having said that, you're invited next Saturday, 9 a.m., to our fellowship hall. And uh, we'll have some refreshments, and then we'll hear from him. He's going to be leading us uh, in a very powerful time. I've had the privilege of working with Ken Pretty for about a year now. I'm on a team of about 12 other pastors in our region, and we have been sort of simmering and soaking in this reality, and it's very, very powerful. So uh, if you would, uh, Jim, if you'd start that video, and uh, then we'll proceed from there. We talk a lot about vision in the church these days, and it's an important conversation. But sometimes I think we get so caught up in the uh, immediate vision of our particular churches that we lose sight of the bigger picture of what is God's vision? What's going on from God's point of view? What does He want from the church? Uh, one of the things I, I tend to say a lot is that vision in the church is not about creativity. Vision is about discernment. We don't need to be clever. We don't need to come up with something that no church has ever seen in the history of the Holy Spirit. What we need to do is capture what God is up to and figure out what that vision looks like in the context of our own churches. Now the question that we have to ask ourselves as church leaders is where is my church on this timeline? Where are we in the history of redemption? Is our church playing a role in the unfolding of God's vision of bringing a people to Himself? Well, now, Where do we want to be? If you think of the flow of redemptive history as a current, like a river of the Holy Spirit, where do we want to be? Well, we want to be in the middle of that current, in over our heads. We want to be the kind of church that God brings people to because... We so effectively witness to the person of Jesus Christ. You know, God is not going to be sending people to churches that aren't representing Him well. What would be the point of that? There's no logic to that whatsoever. But you find a church that really commits itself to specifically sharing Jesus Christ and all that that means throughout life, God will send people to those churches. And the history of redemption moves another day, another day, another day. Now, when I look at what's going on around the, the world, you know, the gospel is spreading in all kinds of different places uh, across the globe. 
the question I have is this for you. Why not here? Why not now? Well, that's Ken Pretty, and uh, you're invited next Saturday. I think that is the 11th at 9 a.m. to our fellowship hall. And uh, just on this, this note that the fields are wide unto harvest, um, my wife led somebody to Jesus yesterday. That's probably illegal in her, in her work context uh, at some level, you know, because it's, uh, well, maybe politically not correct. She's a nurse and had the opportunity. She's talked to a young man a number of times and had no intention of sharing this, but it seemed right to do so that uh, he asked her to pray with him again. Uh, and she's done it on a number of occasions in his now maybe second time in the hospital. And uh, in the midst of beginning to pray for him, she said, uh, so-and-so, have you ever trusted Jesus and asked him specifically to come into your life? And he just welled up with big tears and he said, no, but I want to. That's our mandate. You see, that's our mission. And uh, God has been uh, teaching us for a number of actually months to recognize that God has already done for us everything necessary by which we can understand that we are His kids. We are loved more than we can fully fathom except by the revelation of His Spirit. And when we understand that reality and begin to walk in it, uh, very special things begin to happen. Now last week we, we talked about hearing God's voice, and I believe it's imperative that we hear. In order to be able to speak, I was, happened to be looking at Facebook this morning, and one of Jim's daughters made a comment about being in a coffee shop and and had a conversation with a couple of young men, and they wanted to know about her spiritual life. There are people hungry everywhere. I don't know if you saw that, Jim, but you might want to look. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, last week we talked about dreams and visions. How does God speak? And uh, how do we hear? And uh, this morning I want to um, just sort of maybe summarize a little bit, because it's, it's important to recognize that that God speaks in many different ways. Now, what is the primary way that God speaks to His kids? The primary way that He speaks to His kids, His, his children, is through the written Word. The, the Word that is written. And uh, God has right in my hand, and if you have a Bible in yours or your Bible that you have at home, this is a personal love letter to you. If you're able to, um, to engage with it, meaning to come with humility and to come with a measure of hunger and say, God, I want to know you more than I do right now. It's the word that is written in Psalm 119, 105. In fact, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. You see, the word, we all know that. But the primary way that God speaks to us is through the, the written word, and we must pay particular 
attention to it. That's why men and women all around the world, Doug and Beth, give their lives to the translation and to the dissemination and to the spread of the written Word of God. That's the seed that comes into our heart and begins to transform us. And the second way that God speaks to us is through His Son, uh, through Jesus, the living Word. So there's the written Word, and then there is the living Word. Um, in Hebrews chapter 1, the first couple of verses, it says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us through His Son. There is no clearer way that God could speak to a people than through the living Word who is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that Word of the Father is now living the written word, the living word. And uh, if we pay attention to Jesus, how do we pay attention to Jesus? Well, we read about him in his word. We fix our eyes upon him and we recognize that we can encounter him. He wants to encounter us every day of our lives. Why? Because he's not dead and he's no longer in a tomb. We're about ready to celebrate Palm Sunday, the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem, and Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. He's not dead. And in fact, this resurrected Jesus right now is alive and he lives somewhere. He lives in our hearts. Now it's a mystery. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, but so are you, the scripture says. And that resurrected Jesus now lives in our hearts. It's not just a written word. It's the living word of Jesus. And as we look to him and listen to him and fix our eyes upon Jesus, we begin to learn something about his purposes for our life. Now, there's a third way, and that is God speaks to us by his indwelling spirit. The spirit of Christ, a synonym, phrase, uh, the spirit of God, The Holy Spirit is the means by which this living Jesus inhabits the tabernacles of his people. So it's this third way then how God speaks. Uh, John chapter 14, 26 says, But when the Helper, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said, he will teach you all things. You see, the Spirit of God now, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God is living in us. Now that changes things. If we pay attention to what is written, if we pay attention to what is living, and if we pay attention to who is living in us, we will begin to hear. Now I step back then to say these things in order to now step forward and say, one of the ways that God by His Spirit speaks to us, last week I said, is through dreams and through visions. Well... There are other ways as well, and there's, there's God speaks prophetically uh, to us. Now, what is prophecy? I'm just going to very quickly underscore a couple of things before we move to the table of celebration of the Feast of Communion. Prophecy, then, is the capacity to know what is written uh, and to encounter him who is living or he who is living. Uh, and prophecy, then, is the ability to hear the spoken word in us and just release it to other people. Like this person that Jim's daughter spoke about in the the cafe. Like the person that my wife spoke to at the hospital yesterday. The prophetic ministry is on you. 
The Spirit of the Lord is in you. At some point, we just need to listen to Him and be willing to step out of our comfort bubble and trust Him to speak what you know is absolutely true. That's what prophecy really is. The capacity to know the written word, to encounter the living word, to hear the spoken word, and to release it to other people. Now, there are two dimensions to this notion of prophecy. And I'm just going to hit them real quickly. The first one is, there's a, a phase of it, or a category of prophecy, which is foretelling. It's, it's looking into the future. It's probably the most commonly understood attribute of the prophetic ministry. Prophetically gifted people are able to... Uh, remember Jacob in the ladder, the gate of heaven? Uh, prophetic people... That's you. Are able by the Spirit to listen and to pull down or to release out of whatever you're most comfortable with the word of the Lord and speak it to other people. And sometimes that will give you the capacity to know things about the future other people need to hear about. So, so one aspect of prophecy then is foretelling, that is to understand uh, that which um, often people don't understand about the future. Because, why is that possible? Because you're already seated with Jesus. In fact, you're seated right at the right hand of Jesus. Um, that's why we can hear. And He is living in you, and you were in Him, and He has the capacity to speak, and we have the capacity to listen in. And if we will, now here's the big word, by faith, hear, and by faith, speak, we will begin to see amazing things happen. Now there's a second part, the first is foretelling, and the second part is forth-telling. A lot of people think that the prophetic work in these days is primarily teaching, I would be prophesying, or preaching, or teaching. I think there's an aspect of that is true, but I don't think that's the full understanding of forth-telling. Forth-telling is actually the ability to cause the future. If, if foretelling is to see a little bit about the future, prophecy forth-telling is the capacity to cause the future. Now, as people prophesy, either through the written word, or by the living word, or by that, that, that spirit, the word that he puts in us, as we speak that word to other people, God has the capacity to take it and cause something to happen in them. In other words, the grace of God often rides upon that word that is spoken. That, that's why uh, faith comes by hearing. When someone spoke a word to you, uh, it was a prophetically anointed word and God took it and sowed it in your heart and it gave birth to something which was a new spiritual life. And we call it being born again. But this foretelling is actually the ability to cause the future, not to see the future. Now I'm going to give you an example of this. Um, somehow the grace of God is released in the actual speaking um, of the word to another people. This changes... Uh, this can bring a change in the realm of this life as we speak what we hear and share it with other people. You follow what I'm saying? The grace of God is on that word. 
Now let me give you an example of forth telling. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 37. Now you're all familiar, familiar with this text, but I just want to read it real quickly. It's an example of the prophetic ministry. This was from the prophet Ezekiel. It has an element of foretelling, but there's also an aspect of forthtelling which created the future. Uh, so in Ezekiel chapter 37, let me read it, if I may, uh, beginning at verse 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me, uh, Ezekiel, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, they were, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. Now, if the prophet prophesied what he saw, which is what many of us do, he would never have gotten the results that God wanted to happen. There were many dry bones, and they were really dry. Now, and he then, he the Lord, remember that God's word is, if you were here a few weeks ago, uh, blue, and my word is red, and when God tells me to speak something, it becomes Steve speaking red, plus what God speaks, blue, which creates purple. That's just an analogy, but this is what he said. In verse 3, and he, the Lord, spoke to me, and he said, Son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. That's a smart answer. And again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what God's telling him to say. This is blue. I put it in blue in my Bible. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause, uh, I will, the Lord said to these bones, Surely I can use breath um, and enter into you and you shall live. Uh, I think I missed something. Prophesy and say to these bones, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Surely I, will, I can use breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you to cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So the prophet heard what God said, and now God said, You speak it. Verse 7 says, and so I prophesied, and as I was commanded to say, I prophesied, and as I did so, these bones suddenly began to move, and there was a rattling, and the bones began to join one to another. They came together bone to bone. And indeed, as I looked, the sinew then wrapped around the bones, and flesh then covered them, and skin covered up that. But there was no breath in them. Now this is specifically being told, spoken to Israel. And if you read the whole chapter and to Judah that was divided. And God was saying to the prophets, speak to this house of Israel and Judah that is dead. Speak to them. Because I'm going to do something through your speaking. And I'm going to do something in them. I'm going to raise them up from the dead. 
So he spoke and he prophesied, and as I prophesied, breath uh, began to come into them. Prophesy to the breath and say, Son of man, uh, to them, breathe, thus says the Lord. The Lord then came from the four winds, O breath, breathe on these slain, and they shall live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came upon them, and they lived, and they stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. How many of you would like to have been there that day? Can you, can you even fathom picturing a valley filled with maybe hundreds of thousands, we don't know, of disjointed skeletal remains, all mixed up because the birds of the air and the beast of the field has drug, it, drug, drug them all over. And God said, now speak to them. And as he spoke, they stood up. And they stood up then, and God said, we're not completed yet. I'm not just interested in their physical life. I want you to speak now, prophesy to them that the wind would come. The wind being the Spirit of God would come and fill them up. And as he prophesied, the wind came and indeed filled them up. And now he said, Son of Man, verse 11, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. You see, and that's where some in the church are today. And the people of God need to prophesy that those who are alive yet need the wind, the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God will come. See, this is, this is, this is foretelling in one sense, but it is also forthtelling. As the prophet spoke, he began to create the future. And as you and I begin to hear and then are willing to speak, we can both foretell something about the future. You can look at people and tell them about their future. You can tell them something about their past. You're dead in your sin. But Jesus has come and He wants to make you alive. You're foretelling their future. And how you get onto that place of salvation is simply trust in Jesus and invite Him into your heart. So He spoke and these people were raised up. Now here's what I want you to understand is that as the prophet spoke, there was gr the grace of God that was on it. Now the grace of God is not just unmerited favor. That's part of it. But the grace of God is the creative power of God. And somehow the creative power of God rides on the words of those people who speak the Word of God. You understand what I'm saying? Which means when you're in the hospital, which means when you're in a cafe with your friends, which means when you're in Walmart, which means wherever you are, as God nudges you, the God who lives in you is so excited about Him being released by you. But guess what? You can grieve Him by saying no, and you can quench Him by choking the hose down. See, that's what I'm trying to say, that the church that is alive right now has everything that we need by which a massive worldwide revival is going to happen because God has already prophesied it through His prophetic word, through His prophetic personalities, and He's just inviting people to get on the train. Come on! This train is bound for glory, and I'm going to take with me a whole host of captives in my train. And you get to be a part of it. Now, let me end with this. In Ephesians, what I've said is that the grace of God rides on your words. 
Say, the grace of God rides on my words. The grace of God rides... On my words, Jack. On my words, David. You see, the grace of God rides on our words. Now, in Ephesians 4, 7, and then 11 and 12, it says this, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and some teachers. And he did this for the equipping of the saints so that they might enter into their work of ministry in order to edify and build up and comfort the body of Christ. So prophecy, in fact, brothers and sisters, is really the most natural, yet supernaturally charged form of communication and affirmation. It really is just speaking the Word of God that builds up and gives comfort and encourages another person. It releases the grace of God uh, so that we, we actually are able to change atmospheres around us. We're able, by the grace of God, to transform people and even change circumstances. Speaking what God speaks is actually bringing to bear the creative power of God to change circumstances and environments in people if we would but... Listen and simply speak. What might seem to you like, well, this, this is just me. Red, blue in you comes out purple. And as you speak the word of the Lord, God changes environments. God changes people. God does that transformation. Now, only practicing the presence of God in your life. What do you mean? Paying attention to the presence of God in your life. Paying attention. Paying attention today. When you arise in the morning, pay attention to the presence of God in your life. And as you pay attention to the presence of God in your life, through the written word, through looking to Jesus, the living word, hearing the spoken word, the prophetic word, the Spirit of God speaking in your life as you pay attention and practice, we can accelerate the anointing and the productivity of God in you and through you. That's the good news. You can participate. That's your ministry. That's our ministry. Jim, come on up. We're going to celebrate communion because the real presence of Jesus is in our midst. So, Doug, when you go to Africa, Jesus is there, man. He's going with you. You know that. Doug knows that. Let's, let's just pray. Father, elders, why don't you come? Father, thank you for giving us a moment to think through how the living word interacts with the written word and how the spirit of the living God living in us activates us to both hear and then activates us to speak. Father, we bless you today, and we give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, thank you that you've said that when the disciples gathered in the upper room, that, uh, Jesus, you took bread, and having given thanks, you broke it, and you said this, is symbolically my body which is broken for you take and eat 
that the dry bones might live, Lord. And we, we pray even now, Lord, that you would speak to us in the present tense, that you would remind us, Lord, that you are a living God. You are the I am. You're the present tense, God. And that we can lay hold of you through faith in what you have already accomplished. And we hear your word and we pray you'd breathe a, a new breath over us even as we partake today. And Father, after supper, you took the cup and Jesus, you said, this is the new covenant that's in my blood. Take and drink each one of you and remembering me. And Lord, it's in the remembering, the anointing of our memories that you would stir us afresh to receive that, that forgiveness and cleansing uh, through the blood of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, as these elements, albeit common, are translated by your Spirit, that a spiritual, a real spiritual presence through the Holy Spirit would quicken our mortal bodies. And Lord, that we would lay hold of that by faith because of what you have done, the finished work. Would you hold the elements until all have them and then we'll partake together.
who has the power to raise the dead and who can save us from our sin he is our hope our righteousness thank Jesus only Holy King. Thank you, Lord. We eat with gratitude and we remember. Would you take meat? He's the Holy King Angels all adore, I join with them and bow before Jesus, holy Jesus. Sing with us, holy King. Holy King, almighty Lord, saints and angels all adore, I join with them and something there's just something Jack, love 
fragrance like the fragrance after the rain Jesus 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 let all just something but there's something about that name father we lay hold of by faith the word and you've said if we confess our sins you are faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness do you believe that and will you receive it now in Jesus' name? Your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Would you take and drink? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand, saints of God? Thank you. Those who have been purchased from every nation, every tribe, people just like us, ordinary people, in whom the holy presence of God has chosen to take up residence. Mm -hmm. Father, would you bless your people as you have so many times? Would you continue, God, to make your face to shine upon them, to be gracious unto them, to lift up your countenance, God, upon them and give them your peace, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said together, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. If you're here and would like special prayer before you slip out, we would love to pray with you. Uh, God bless you and have a wonderful day today in the name of Jesus.